And so as you settle in, as you get your Bibles out, our volunteers are going to pass around um, our giving bags. And so if you have something, um, go ahead and place it in there. If not, that's all right. Just go ahead and open up your Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible, don't worry. The, the words, the, the scripture is going to be long in the screen so that you can follow along. Um, but um, to give you guys a little bit of context, uh, right around two weeks ago, uh, the, some of the seniors... Uh, of GSM and myself and one other leader, we ventured to uh, the the nation's capital, Washington D.C., for an amazing conference called Passion. Uh, that it's a collection of 18 to 25 year olds um, and some adult leaders, um, really to hopefully inspire and to 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 place a fire and to feed the fire um, of Jesus in the lives of those students, so that they will go back to their. Um, to their to their college campuses, to their to their to their churches, to their communities, and and continue to to pursue Jesus, um, hopefully recklessly. Um, and so, as we're there, we had the opportunity to hear just some world class uh, worship, um, some of the best in the business, and some amazing speakers um, who inspire me. And as we're sitting there, um, it hit me that uh, we go through a lot of things. We talk through a lot of different topics. Even last week, we hit briefly on a lot of the questions that you guys have. Um, but it hit me, and I was a little bit convicted, that we don't spend enough time, we haven't spent enough time really looking at the love that our God has for each and every one of us. So I'm sitting there, and I, I got excited because it, it's, there's these moments in our lives, I hope that you have experienced this too, where we, we have these what I call over-the-top moments where our relationship with Jesus, where our understanding of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, it goes over the top. And we experience something, just a, a revelation, where we go, oh my goodness, the love that God has for us is unbelievable. It hits a new level. We never fully grasp and understand it. Our minds can't fully conceive the love of God, but we, we take these steps in our lives where we understand who God is in a greater way, and we understand his love for us in a greater way, and it opens up our heart to love others and to want to share that with others and to experience that over and over and over again. And so today, we're going to talk about being reckless. And not so much us being reckless, but God being reckless in his love for us. And so what I'd love for you to do is go ahead and open up your, your Bible if you've got one um, and flip to uh, the book of Luke. Um, we're going to be looking at chapter 15. So we're going to be, um, I, I find myself saying this a lot, we're going to be in a lot of text, uh, but for, for, for those of you who have been in and around church, this may be familiar to you, this, this text that we're going to look at. And even if it's your first time, you may have heard some of the things from what we're going to read today. And so these are, these, are, uh, these are what Jesus used. Jesus used parables. Essentially, they were stories. Jesus understood that people love stories. They love to sit down and listen to the stories of people's, of people's lives. He understands that's, that's how we are created, that we love to, to go on an adventure and to hear a story. And so he would teach a lot of the times in parables. And these are, these are some of, if not the most recognizable parables that Jesus used in his ministry to teach people about the kingdom of heaven and who God is. And so these are called what I, these are what I call the lost parables. And so we'll jump right in. This is the gospel of Luke chapter 15. We're going verses 1 through 24. Bear with me, but it's going to be great. So join me for the ride. Here it goes. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. 
And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. The he is Jesus. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. It goes on to say this. Or, that, or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then this brings us to the last parable, this last lost parable. Verse 11 says this, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He divided his properties between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that, con- in, that, in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than, <clears throat> than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for for what you communicate to us through your word. What you share with us. How you... Give us glimpses and a look into your heart to understand who you are so that we can finally come home. So we can finally understand who you are and how much you love us. God, it is my prayer that that we would experience, if but a glimpse, we would experience your reckless love for us, that it would penetrate our hearts, that it would penetrate our spirits, that we would be awakened to the truth that exists in your word through your son. Father, allow us to experience the reckless love that you have for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as I'm reading this story, it reminds me of, 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 a, of a, a favorite movie of Finley's. So Finley just turned three last week, um, and she is in prime movie mode. Like She loves all of the Disney movies. She loves all of the animated movies. And one of the ones that she got for Christmas was a movie that's called Minions. 
Oh, man, we've got some people who are like, oh, my goodness, I love me. How many of you, how many of you are a big fan of Minions? Okay. How many of you are too cool for Minions? Yeah. How many of you are too cool to raise your hand and say that you're too cool for Minions? There we go. Thank you. So Minions is an awesome movie. It's about these little creatures um, that are just that. They're Minions for bad guys. Okay. And it is a sequel, actually like a, a fourth sequel, to a movie called Despicable Me. It's, a, it's, 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 it's the prequel, I guess we could say, to the movie Despicable Me that was made years ago. But one of the things, uh, Finley loves these movies, and one of the things about Despicable Me is it's centered around this evil guy named Gru who wants to take over the world like all bad guys do. And so I was looking through this today, and, 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 and Despicable Me gave me, gave me a really good, it reminded me very much of the lost parables, okay? You're like, Brian, what are you talking about? Bear with me. So here's, let me, let me explain this to you. So I went on to uh, a website to see the plot of, Min, uh, I'm sorry, of, of Despicable Me, and this is what it says that the plot is. When a criminal mastermind uses a trio of orphan girls as pawns for a grand scheme, he finds their love is profoundly changing him for the better. That's what Despicable Me is all about. But if I were to sit down and have a conversation with a lot of you, um, you may, those of you who have seen Despicable Me, you may talk through some of the things that happen in the movies, but probably your favorite character would be the Minions. They're a minor character who have a major place in our lives and in our entertainment and potentially even in our hearts. And a lot of the times in life we do this. We experience something, we read something, we watch something, we engage with someone, <coughs> and we focus so much on the minor characters that we miss out on some of the major things that are happening. And I think we have that as well in these lost parables. A lot of the times we focus, even in the, even in the, 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 the subtitles, we focus on the minor characters. We focus on the minor characters and we potentially are missing out on what's most important. And so as we go through it, the first, the first one that we have is the parable of the lost sheep. And we focus on the sheep so much that we miss out on a major character. But in this, we have, we have this shepherd who has 100 sheep, and he, 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 he comes to count them and finds out that there's one that's missing. There's one individual sheep that he that is not accounted for and that is lost. And so what we see as we read, as we read through the text, we see that the, the shepherd goes out. He leaves the 99 in the open country. It says he leaves them to go find the singular sheep that is lost, the one sheep that is lost. And it's, it's, it's unique because as I'm reading through this, I go, well, okay, 100 sheep. 1% is gone, 99% are safe. And as the shepherd, what he does is his, his worry in that moment is not those that are safe, it is those that are lost, that which is lost. And so what he finds himself doing is, is leaving the 99 to go find the one. And this may not make complete sense to, to us. We may not fully grasp or understand this, but he goes to seek the sheep. And what we find as he goes and finds it, it says once he finds it, in verse 5, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. So he goes into the open country, 
to find this one sheep. Leaves the 99. And the reason that he leaves the 99 to go find the one is because he knows that the 99 are safe. He goes to find the one that is in danger. And so he goes on this journey. I don't, it doesn't say in the text. I don't know if it was a, a quick journey or if it took days or even weeks to find this one lost sheep. But it says once he finds it, once he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders and he starts to rejoice and he returns home. Here's the, here's, here's, here's the thing. I don't know that this is, this, is, this is found here, but it's something that I saw that means a lot to me. When he gets to the point where he finds the sheep, he's only halfway to completing the journey that he needs. And the, the walk home, the journey home, is now going to be a little bit more difficult because I don't know if, you, if you've ever gone on a walk or a hike or, or maybe the race. Usually the last half is not as easy as the first half. Even if you trained really well, the second half is at best the same as the first half. And so what we find with this shepherd is his journey back is equally as difficult, but now he's carrying this on his shoulders, carrying this lost sheep. So the journey home is even more difficult than the journey away from home. But it says that in this time, he is rejoicing because what was once lost and in danger is now safe. It is on the shepherd's shoulders. The shepherd is carrying it back. And then we see this parable of the lost coin. We've got the parable of the lost coin here, and it's, it's, Jesus sets, the, sets the, the scene. It's this woman, and she has ten coins. And she comes to find that one is lost. She's in her home, and she knows that it's somewhere in there, but her response is not to say, well, I know that it's in my house, and I'll just take care of it later. What she begins to do is to tear the, tear the house apart to find this one coin. And what you need to understand is in, in, these, in, in, in the times in Jesus' teaching, a home is, is very, it's a very simple structure. It's not like the homes that we have today. It's so simple, it doesn't even have windows. So there's no way for the light to come into the house and so what we learn from this is she lights a lamp. She begins to search for the coin and she realizes, hey, I need to do something more than just look. I need to, I need to light a lamp to, to put some light on the situation so that I can hopefully see into the corners and I can see the floor and hopefully be able to spot this thing that I have lost. And it goes on from there. She begins to look. She begins to look for the lost coin, but pretty quickly she realizes that I can't just look for it. I have to, I have to, really, I have to really tear this house apart. And so she, she, it says she begins to sweep. And so she's now not just looking with her eyes, but she's looking with her ears in hopes that she's, as she's sweeping, the, the sound of the lost coin makes something so that she can go, okay, there it is. That which I have lost is now found. And one of the things that I love about this is, is there's a lot, of, a lot of people who read this, this parable of the lost coin. And immediately, my response, and a lot of our response is, well, how much is the coin worth? How much is the coin worth? That's where our minds go, but here's, here's, here's the thing. The woman, she just knows that she needs that coin. She knows the value of the coin. We naturally go, well, hold on, is it worth enough to go looking for it? 
You know, you've got 99 sheep, one's lost. I feel like 99 is a little bit more important than one. You've still got nine coins. How much is it worth? Is it worth, is it worth the cost that it is to, to tear the house apart to try and find it? And as I'm reading this, it, 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 my, my mind, this is such an incredible example of how the world is versus how, what God's view is. Ryan naturally in that situation goes, well, what's the coin worth? Is it worth the cost of looking for it? Or is this something that can just be easily re-earned or, 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 or left aside? And as we look at these, what we begin to realize is we are so focused on the minor characters that we miss the major characters. You know, we're focused on the sheep and the coin. It's a minor character in this story. Because the major character is the shepherd and the woman. And as Jesus teaches in parables, what we come to realize is what Jesus is doing is he is allowing the shepherd and the woman to be a symbol of who God the Father is. Someone who recklessly loves. The kind of God who loves us so much that he does the opposite of what we think we should do. As this woman looks for this coin, it reminds me of how we treat and we interact with other people. Of we, how we often view ourselves. It reminds me of the events that have transpired this year in Perry School District with students who are taking their lives. Because they or somebody who they know have told them they're not worth it. What we see here from God, the woman symbolizing God, the father says, no, 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 I'm I'm not content with that which I have found. I am worried, I am distraught about that which is lost. And naturally you go, well, what's the coin worth? And we then make the decision if it's worth it or not. But what God sees is he says, no, you are worth it. I am going to come for you. I am coming after you. I'm going to run after you. I'm going to chase after you. I'm going to tear the world apart so that I can find you, so that you can find me, and we can be reunited again. And what I find is a lot of the times we collectively, we put a value on something and we say, hey, you're not worth it. And we look in the mirror and we say, hey, I'm not worth it. But I love that the value of this coin is is something that we focus on. But God says, no, 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 no. Uh, When I see you, I see incredible value. Enough value that I would do whatever it takes to come and to be with you. And we wrap up with this, 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 this prodigal son. A son who wants his father's inheritance, the, the inter- inheritance that he's going to get from his father before his father dies. And so his father gives it to him, and he goes, and I love it. I love, I love the way that, that the ESV decided to, to write this. In verse 13, it says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. How great is it that we hear reckless living and we have a great idea of what that looks like. Like Chloe said, a lot of the times reckless has a negative connotation. And his son, and he goes into the, into the distant country and he, he lives recklessly. 
He doesn't care about the consequences. He doesn't care what's coming. He just lives recklessly. And we find out that he, he loses it all. He finds himself in his darkest hour, and he returns home. And as he returns home, the father is waiting for him. And when he sees the son that he's been waiting for, he runs to him. He embraces him, and he receives him back again. And we focus so often, we focus so much on the sheep, in the coin, in the son, that we can miss out on the major character. We can miss out on the shepherd and the woman and the father who are a symbol of our father who is in heaven and the love that he has for us. We see we're, we're, we're so focused on those small minor characters that we miss the major moments in which God is saying, hey, this reckless life that this, that this son was living, that's that same reckless nature, that's what I am willing to do to come to you, to come to find you. You who are lost, that is the reckless love that I have for each and every one of you. See, as we're living in this world where we're focusing on the minor characters, there's importance in the minor characters. We are the minor characters. But don't let the sheep or the coin or the sun, which is us, allow us to become blinded to who the major character is of these parables. It's God the Father. It's the love that he has for each and every one of us. You know, as we, as we were, were sitting at Passion, it's just, it's, it, is, it is like that song says, it is overwhelming. When we have a taste and catch a glimpse of who God is and the love that he has for us, it's overwhelming. Can't, we can't contain it all. And so as we, as we go through life, we need to understand that we are minor characters in God's story and that God sees value in each and every one of us. He wants each and every one of us, those who are lost, to be found. It says in there that when, 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 a, when a lost person, when a sinner finds God, when, when they they come together, there is rejoicing in heaven. What we need to understand is we have a God who loves us deeply. We have a God who would come after us in our darkest hour that's individually and collectively. We have a God who's reckless with his love. He gives it freely to all of us. We have a God who loves us so much, he is, he, is, he is reckless with his love. He gives it out freely, and he is waiting for us, and he's saying, hey, I love you, hey, I love you, hey, I love you, and he is so desperately desiring for us to come home and to be found. Here's the cool part. As I look at, as I look at these past weeks and just hearing um, what's, what's happening in the lives of students, It is apparent that there are a lot of us who are lost and seeking to find what it is. Seeking to find the solution. Some of us who feel like we have no worth, some of us who look at others and say, hey, you have no worth, 
And the reality is, based off of not just the events of Perry School District, but nationally, the reality is people say, you know what, I'm not worth it. I thought I wasn't, but what you just told me or how you treat me or how you interact with me helps me understand that I have no worth. What we do is we say, you're the lost coin and you're not worth it. Or we say, I'm the lost coin and I don't, I don't, I'm not worth it. What God is saying through his word, through these amazing parables, is you are worth it and I'm coming after you. I'm coming for you. I am leaving those who are safe. I am leaving a place that is safe and that is perfect. And I am going to the earth where it is dangerous, where there are traps, where there are schemes, where there is danger. And I am going from a place where everything is safe and I'm going for the one that is lost. I am going to get into this, I'm going to get into this place and I'm going to do whatever I need. I'm going to shine light on the situations. I'm going to tear my house apart. I'm going to use everything in my arsenal to find that which is lost. Every day I'm going to, I'm going to stand and I'm going to, I'm going to look out and say, where are those who are lost who are trying to come home? Where are those who are hopeless? who are looking for a home? Where are those who are depressed that are looking for a home? Where are those who are looking for significance? Where are those who are looking for acceptance? And where are those who are looking for security? Because what God is saying is he goes, come home. And when he sees us, what he does, he doesn't wait and say, come on, come on. He runs to us and he finds us. And he finds us when we're in danger and he carries us home. And when he gets, when he gets what it was lost, Back where it belongs, there's a celebration. It's an incredible celebration. Because that which was lost, that which was dead, is now found and alive. The reckless love of God. It is so reckless that he would take his son. It's a reckless love. That he would say, I don't care the consequences. I don't care what happens. We need a solution, and we're going to do this right now. And he sends his son to this earth to show us all what we really need to know. That God is crazy about us. That he is a God who is reckless. He doesn't care what it takes. He's going after it. To help us see that in him, depression turns to joy. Lost turns to found. The death turns to life. And so as we look at this story, let's not get so caught up in the minor characters. Let's understand the love that God has for us. Let's understand that it is a reckless love, that he's saying, I do not care what it takes. I'm making a solution. There's nothing that we could do on our own absolutely nothing. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. It's a God who's so reckless. He gives us a gift that we don't deserve. The best, one of the best, one of the best analogies I've ever heard. Silly, but it's, it's true. The gift of grace, we, we can't fully grasp or understand it. It's just, it's something that we get even though we don't earn it or deserve it. It is a free gift. Mike talked a ton about it. 
over his last series, but here's the best way that I can describe it and put it in, in terms that I understand, so hopefully we can understand. And I'm, You're probably all way smarter than me, so you should be able to understand this too. It's like when you're flying down the highway, you just got your license, or you maybe have had it for a year or so, and you're flying down the highway, you're late, or, or you're just trying to impress your friends, whatever it might be. But let's say you're going 100, 110 in a 55, and all of a sudden you see lights in your, in your rear view mirror flashing red and blue. And you go, oh my goodness, I've been caught. And you know you're caught. You know that there's nothing you can do. You deserve in that moment a ticket, maybe your license being suspended. I mean, the reality is you're driving recklessly. And you have, there is something that you have earned and that you have deserved. And that is a punishment. It's like you getting pulled over to the side and the cop walks up. He goes, license and registration. You give it to him. He goes, hey, you're going a little fast back there. Yeah, you know it. I've been caught. Whatever's coming, I've earned it. It's like he hands you an ice cream cone and says, have a great day. He gave you something you did not deserve when you deserve something entirely different, something that makes your life better. In Jesus' context, your eternity better when you deserve punishment when you deserve death, when we deserve those things, he gave us something we did not deserve because of his reckless love for us. And it came in the form of his son. I think when we really, we can really step back and understand what that looks like. What it looks like to give up, to give up something so precious and so dear and so something that you're so in love with as a son. I look at it and I look at Colden at 20 months old. I look at Finley at three years old and I go, man, there is, there is almost, there is, there, there is nothing that I would do to say, hey, here's, here's my son, here's my daughter, and I'm gonna, we're good. There is not a cause that I would give up my children. That's the crazy thing about God. That's the recklessness of God. He loves us so much. He understands what we needed so much that he was willing to give up in a reckless way his son so that he could come to this earth and put that reckless love on display for you and for me so that we could experience hope, so that we could experience forgiveness, so that we could experience grace, so that we could experience gifts that we don't deserve, but that are offered freely to us. That's the kind of love that our God has for us. He doesn't care. He says, I'm going and I'm doing it. Guys, as, as you walk through life, as you read through God's word, the major character is God, is Jesus, Everything else is minor. Obviously, everything's in here to teach us something and take us on a journey so that we can understand who God is better. But don't get so caught up in the minions or the sheep or the coin or the sun that we miss out on what's really happening. We can walk away from that. We can say, hey, God came for sinners. We can look at that. We can say, it's, it's about things that are lost and being found. And yes, that is, a, that is a big part of what it is. But ultimately, it is to show us the love that God has for each and every one of us. So don't miss that. Don't miss the opportunity to see what God is doing. 
take the, take the opportunity to step back and say, well, what am I supposed to see here? Because I see some things panning out, but I'm thinking there's something bigger. Allow God to reveal that to you. I've said it a bunch of times, but our God is reckless with his love. And that is to our benefit. Don't find yourself saying, hey, this isn't for me. Don't find yourself saying, hey, I want to remain lost. Run to the reckless love of God and see how it changes your life. His love is reckless and it is for each and every one of us. Father God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for how you, how you work in our lives. God, I pray that, that as we as we grow in relationship with you, as we enter into relationship with you, Father, that you would just, that you would just continue, that you would just continue to show us, Father, your love, that we would experience it in your word, that we would experience it in our interactions with one another, that we would show our friends who you are that don't know you by the way that we love them, by the way that we receive them, we accept them, that we know that, that they are lost and you are the one who finds them. And so it's my prayer, Father, that we would show them who you are, the love that exists, the hope that exists in you and through you. God, that Satan, that the power of Satan it would just be diminished by the power that you have. God, we need you. We need you in all that we do. We need you in our lives. We need you in our schools. We need you on our teams. We need to show your love to others, God. There are so many who are living a hopeless life. God, show us what it looks like to love so that we can show others. And when they look at us, they, we can say, nope, not my love, God's love. Your love overcomes all. It is a reckless love, God, and we are grateful for that. God, thank you for the free gift that you offer us in and through your son. 